Well, good morning, folks. Today uh, is a special day. I hope you've got great plans for this uh, Independence Day. I, I, uh, I think it's very important. We had a great time the other night, uh, Friday night, listening to the fireworks and seeing the fireworks uh, arising from uh, uh, the a, a golf course nearby. And uh, and look forward to tonight. I hope you have great plans with, you know, for family. Uh, there's so much for us to celebrate tonight with the with so many of us vaccinated and safe from the virus and the, and the vision that our president set forth on his inauguration of us, uh, you know, being family once more gathered around, uh, you know, around the barbecue pit, uh, lifting up toast to the wonder of God's providence here in our country. So we celebrate the birth of our nation. Uh, we 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 had a reading today from the gospel, uh, the sixth chapter, in which Jesus goes home, and 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 we hear those those uh, those so true words. That, you know, they're a prophet is with great honor, but not in his own hometown. And we see how Jesus was un, unable to um, do many of his great deeds because of the unbelief of those in his in his own community. I want to ask you to hold on to that. Uh, story uh, this week and, and contemplate it in the coming week. We're going to come back to it next week and and pick up on that story and the one that follows it in the sixth chapter uh, as we continue our march through the gospel of, of Mark. Today, however, I want to ask us to pause to reflect on this this special day, our, our birthday as a nation. Independence Day is one of uh, two major feast days on the liturgical calendar of the Episcopal Church uh, that is associated with uniquely American historical events. I'm wondering if, if any of you can name the other one. Absalom Jones Day. <laughs> well, that's not a major feast day, but it is an important feast day. Yeah, there's many of those. That's a, a lesser feast, we call it. Uh, but but I'm thinking of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is, is another way, a feast day, official feast day on the liturgical calendar for us. This morning, I pray that we will be able to celebrate Independence Day without surrendering to either of two temptations. First, the temptation to blaspheme. And secondly, the temptation to deny our particularity as Americans, to be less than proud uh, to be Americans. So let's talk about the first one, that temptation to blaspheme, that is, uh, is something that's going to be, we're going to be quite vulnerable as a, as a people today. As Martin Luther noted, blasphemy is to lie and assert under God's name something that is not so. It's speech or symbolic action that justifies our own lies by invoking God's name. And I've shared with you before the, the classic example for me of this, of blasphemy, is that patch on the uniforms of Nazi soldiers that had that phrase, God with us as though God sanctioned the atrocities of the German nation in World War II. I mean, if you can imagine a prison guard with that patch on uh, alongside, uh, you know, the the uh, concentration camp uh, victims, uh, you can you can see a great image of what blasphemy is. Whenever a healthy sense of our identity as a people gives way to a nationalism that conflates our faith in God with our patriotism and elevates our nation to our ultimate concern, well, then we veer into blasphemy and idolatry. 
And we do that as as humans all too often and as Americans all too frequently, particularly in our last several decades. It's easy when we live in a country so abundantly blessed to confuse our patriotism and our religious faith. That's the thing that has me concerned today. A friend uh, reminded me recently of something written by the Roman Catholic novelist, Walter Percy, who uh, captured, I think, our blasphemous tendencies in a book he wrote called Love in the Ruins. And Percy wrote this, the American Catholic Church, which emphasizes property rights and the integrity of neighborhoods, retained the Latin mass and plays the Star Spangled Banner at the elevation. The truth is that at many Protestant and Roman Catholic churches across this great land, the altar, or in our time, the stage that has replaced the altar in so many of our churches, will be draped with the stars and the stripes, and the national anthem will be sung after the doxology. And those symbolic actions echo in a worrisome way the liturgies that we know about of the Roman imperial cult. So theologians rightly remind us to be very clear in the meanings we convey in our worship on this feast day that we call Independence Day, lest we veer into blasphemy. Today, I am especially worried about a blasphemous teaching in our country called American exceptionalism. Now, I preached on this false teaching on February 7th, uh, 2021, in reflecting on our 6th January assault on our national capital. I urge you to uh, listen to that sermon again and share it with your friends. It was an important important event in our history, I think, and we're still trying to understand the significance of it. Uh, The assault was done by folks who call themselves patriots in counterdistinction from those of us who support neither their quest for power nor their populist white supremacist agenda for our country. American exceptionalism, American exceptionalism is the idea that America is an exceptional nation in that it was ordained by God to bring freedom to the rest of the world by planting our values on every shore by force if necessary. It's the blasphemy that many of you will recall uh, with which we justified our invasion of of Vietnam. And I know many of you actually were out there saying that, naming that blasphemy back in the 60s and 70s. The truth about us Americans is that we are sinners, just like everybody else. And if there's anything exceptional about us at all, It's the superabundance of the blessings we've inherited from the founding fathers and mothers who passed on to us their dream that we could become a people conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all humans are created equal, as Abe Lincoln rightly reminded us. So we blaspheme when we assert that we Americans are exceptional in the sense of being uniquely qualified to teach the rest of the world how to live in fellowship with God and each other. Or when we justify our invasions of other peoples with the national arrogance that dresses up our drones with red, white and blue crosses as though God desires the destruction that we reap. We blaspheme when we erect narratives of 
an American Jesus who endorses our efforts to defend an American way that continues to enshrine a hierarchy of human value in the distribution and enjoyment of those superabundant gifts that God has bestowed upon us. We blaspheme whenever we pretend that we have already achieved our country, as James Baldwin put it, and that God smiles upon our status quo as a nation. Patriots, and I mean by this an alternative definition of the word, simultaneously celebrate the ways in which we Americans move towards that transformative justice that creates opportunities for us to live each other freely. And we shine light on the gaps between our reality and our dream so that we're constantly moving closer toward the goal of achieving our country. So let's talk about the, that other temptation, the temptation to deny our particularity as Americans, to, to deny that we have rightful cause to be proud as Americans. We can, we can err easily in the other direction, you see. Some Christians are so fearful that we will lose ourselves in this virulent nationalism that we see right now that pervades our culture that they would have us ignore this major feast day altogether. Throughout the Episcopal Church, many are simply ignoring the fact that this is Independence Day, even though it's a major feast day of our church. It is just as surely error, I believe, to deny the importance of our identity as Christians who are American. So let's talk about that. What does it mean to be a Christian who is also a proud American? American, I suggest, denies our social, I mean, excuse me, describes our social identity. And that's an identity that has been given by God, we say. It's been given by God as a gift. There are those who think being a Christian means relinquishing all social identities. But at least until God's desire for us, God's ends are fulfilled, until the fulfillment of time, that notion that there that we should relinquish our social identities is theologically wrong, folks. That's the era that is sung by uh, by John Lennon, uh, I would suggest. He wasn't much of a theologian. He had that song that we, we all learned to sing and love that's just simply, simply theologically nonsense. Uh, imagine there is no countries. It isn't hard to do. John Lennon got it wrong. You see, in order to for there to be an I, there must be a thou. There is in history this recurring sentimental desire for some kind of universal identity, for there to be no more borders, but no such thing exists. God has blessed us with neighborly identities. That's part of the way that God has created humankind. We, we remember that uh, throughout the Bible. We, we share our daily bread. There is an hour, our daily bread, by which we imply that it is essential that there be a local us that is flesh and bones and not some merely Gnostic spiritual oneness, some type of kumbaya spirituality that is a pure abstraction. 
We are blessed with a concrete, tangible belongingness, a belongingness that we live out as part of a particular people. We belong to each other in a very special way that is not the basis of our unity, for Christ is that, but is nonetheless essential to our vocation as Christians. As, as we remember the story today in which Jesus sent the, the first disciples out two by two in their particularity, two particular peoples in their locales and called them to get on the way of love wherever they lived. I think the Anglican theologian Oliver O'Donovan gets this right. He says this, we are who we are, each of us, in part by virtue of who we are together. And who we are together has to do with the tasks of community and justice we are called to perform together. Communal identities distinguish us from others, distinguish our tasks from their tasks. The largest and most inclusive forms of communities are peoples, like our identity as American people. Divine providence has instituted distinct peoples with distinct identities in order to set limits to the pursuit of justice, focusing it upon conceivable and practical undertakings. And this ensures that no we and no they are responsible for the management of the universe. I think Oliver O'Donovan gets it right. God gives us national belongingness as Americans as a gift of boundaries. There are boundaries to the part of the garden we are called to steward, which means we're not responsible for it all. We can therefore have peace and focus as we as we focus on creating justice in our part of the garden. National boundaries are not meant to exclude foreigners from the, from the blessings that God gives us. For as the Independence Day readings remind us from the Old Testament, you know, we were all sojourners in a strange land once. So national boundaries aren't meant to, for us to exclude foreigners from the blessings that God gives us, but instead to allow us to focus on the part of the garden for, for which we are responsible for the pursuit of that transformative justice that generates life. That's what those boundaries are for. That's why they are a gift that we should welcome. To be an American is to share in the universal calling of all humans uh, to walk along the way of love, to this kind of transformative justice, to pursue that shared calling as part of a people who say yes to certain ways of being and no to others in ways that have made us historically and will continue to make us a, a distinctive people. That means there is something about us and the choices that we have made that make us American and not French or Chinese. And that distinctiveness is to be received as a providential gift a context in which we live, a context for our particular journeys to the new Jerusalem. Because of these neighborly, these national identities, our own stories about our own lives with God are unique. Even as they get enfolded into the grand theodrama of Jesus Christ, whose body we are still becoming. So as Christians, we are also American, and there is much cause for us to pause, like we do on this day, to remember our founding. 
We are not yet that ideal city on a hill that serves as a beacon to all the nations. Our founder's dream is not yet realized. There is not yet equal opportunity and justice for all of our people. Yet, that is our vision. That's the American vision for who we want to be. The gaps we see are cause for prayer on our birthday this weekend. But just as surely, there is much cause for thanksgiving. For we are people in whom are found the first fruits of many, many virtues, liberty, equality, fraternity, education, democracy, human rights, all of these things which spring from the love of Christ, all of these things that we learn how to, to perform, how to embody along the way of love. And as, with, and as with other nations, these virtues are seen in us only in a fragmentary way, only in a partial way, as, as though through a glass darkly. Yet they are present among us and make possible the abundance we so imperfectly share with each other. And as such, we are able to say that as American Christians, we participate in and are trying to herald the good news that is on its way. And so I suggest to you, friends, that that is why we ought to celebrate and we're called to really party on this Independence Day with a hearty thanksgiving to God. So let us celebrate joyfully our national identity, for it is a means of grace. It's not our end, but it is a means to God's ends for us. May God bless us and help us to create the America of our founders' dreams. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.